the third edition of Joe vs. the World. Today's show is all about Ring of Honor. My guest today is Matt Feuerstein, hope I said that right, yeah. who has been attending several ROH shows recently, including the Double Shot this past weekend. Matt, how you doing? Not bad. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, how long have you been following ROH, and uh, how many shows have you been to? Uh, okay, let me see. I think I've been to about 15 or 16 shows. Uh, I've, I mean, I've kind of been following Ring of Honor on and off since, I'd say, early 2004. I mean, I'd heard about the shows and was sort of interested during the first couple of years, but then I was able to get my hands on a couple of the uh, the major matches from those first couple of years, the three-way from the first Ring of Honor show, which mm-hmm. blew me which blew me away, and the uh, two-out-of-three falls match between um, Brian Danielson and Paul London, which I really liked, and... Uh, and then I saw my first full show probably in the middle of 2004. That I wasn't live. It was on DVD. It was um, the At Our Best show from the day before WrestleMania 20, which I really liked. And then, but I, I don't think I became like a an obsessed Ring of Honor fan until I went to my first live show, which was only last June. Oh. So you've been hitting him up uh, pretty frequently. Yes, I've been. Yeah, I've been gone to a ton in the past year. Where are you uh, located? I live in Staten Island, New York. And oh, so you, can, you, have, you have access to a lot of the all kinds of different yeah, areas. Yeah, right, exactly. I go to pretty much any show that I can within two hours of New York City. So Long Island shows, the New Jersey shows, the New York City shows, the uh, Philadelphia shows. Uh, the, the old Connecticut location I, I was able to get to because that was only about two hours from the city. The new Connecticut locations a little bit farther away, so I don't know if I can get to those. But yeah, we had actually met at the um, the last Connecticut show back in uh, October. Right, the uh, this means war show. <laughs> yeah, that that show. Um, that have you show. seen that show on DVD? I actually haven't picked that up yet. Yes, I did actually, and actually, I think I liked it more on DVD. Uh, yeah. I got there late, so I missed the first match, which was uh, Claudio Castagnoli versus um, Alex Shelley in the twenty minute draw. And that match was a lot of fun. I regret not seeing that live. But um, I'd say the main event comes off a lot better on DVD also, which was the first match between Roderick Strong and Brian Danielson. Because I think on the live show, there was a heckler kind of that... Yeah, I remember that guy who uh, kept talking about Dragon's haircut. Right. You don't really pick that up on the DVD, so you can kind of focus on the match more. And it was a pretty great match, actually. Yeah, that went like 37 minutes, uh, which is actually, for, I think, the shortest match they've done. But Yeah, yeah, the second match went 10 minutes longer than that, and then the third match went 10 minutes longer than that, so mm. kind of a pattern. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the ROH-CZW feud, and uh, I'll say this about uh, ROH booking. I th- you know, it's mostly it's it's competent. Everything makes sense. I think it's largely carried by the, the ring work. When you have a lot of great wrestling, you don't need a lot of, like, great angles, but every now and then they come up with something, a really Grand Slam angle. I think last year it was the the Punk is Ring of Honor champ angle, mm-hmm. and this year it's been the ROH-CZW feud. And it's been great yeah. because they've been doing everything right, and it it kind of taps into something real. Because, I mean, ROH yeah. fans are passionate about the product, and so are CZW fans. So how much have you seen right, of this exactly. uh, angle? Uh Almost all of it. I was at the show that kind of kicked it off in January, the Hell Freezes Over show in Philadelphia. And I think but the impression that I got at the time was that it was meant to be kind of a one-off thing where just they had Danielson appear on the CZW show that afternoon. 
and then Hero challenged Danielson for the ROH title that night. But they had their largest crowd in Philadelphia in since probably the show where the Great Muda showed up in late 2003. So I think that's probably what convinced them to keep the keep the feud going. Also, the uh, the pre-match stuff when Hero came out through the crowd and stuff and his promo. Excuse me. Um, probably got the uh, one of the best crowd reactions. Definitely the most you know traditional heat of any ROH show that I had been to up until that point. Since then, they've had a lot more heat for the you know ensuing angle. But I'd say so. I saw from that then on. I've seen all the DVDs that are out. So I saw the um, the Ohio shows from right after that, and then I was at the fourth anniversary show, and then the. Uh, March 11th show at the ECW Arena where they had a double header between with CCW and ROH. ROH show went on first, and it ended with an angle where the entire CCW locker room came out. They ran off the uh, ROH locker room with weed whackers and stuff, and they tie, yeah they tied um, they tied BJ Whitmer to the ropes and put a bunch of staples in him and jumped into the crowd and started chasing around fans and stuff, and that was. That was pretty nuts. That was one of the craziest things I've seen. I've never seen a wrestling promotion be as selfless as ROH was at that show because they really don't need to give CCW that much. They, you know, they're much, um, much more high-profile promotion. Their wrestlers are bigger stars. They're, um, you know, they they have they're much more financially successful. So they could have easily been like WWF was with the WCW invasion or. Crockett was with the UWF uh, combination, but they really gave CDW a lot. Yeah, I, I just remember at the end of that ROH show, the CDW guys were on top, and then at the end of the CCW show that night, I think ROH guys were. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the Generation Next guys, I think, at the CDW show, which I didn't go to. Yeah. Um, they they beat uh, they beat uh, I think the Blackout CCW's uh, team in a six-man match. But with the ROH shows, like, the entire locker room got totally destroyed. There was one memorable bit that, I don't know, I guess it was the lighting was too, it was too dark, so it really didn't get picked up on the DVD. But live, it was a pretty cool moment. It was kind of Joe, sta- excuse me, standing on the ramp um, with a chair and wife beater on the other side of him with a, uh, with a, with a weed whacker. And Joe was trying to fend him off with the weed whacker, but then, Joe just, out of frustration, just threw down the chair and kind of hightailed it to the back. So that was, you know, that's not something that you usually see, you know, main eventers do to uh, guys who are relatively unknown com- comparatively. So Yeah. So, so I don't know. And you were at the 100th ROH show, correct? Yes, I was. And that was the one where they had the split bleachers for ROH fans. And yeah, and that, fans. yeah, and that was definitely one of the best atmospheres I've ever um, I've ever been to at a wrestling show. First of all, um, the, I mean, mainly for the main event, there are some other matches that it sort of hurt, namely uh, the Danielson versus Cabana match. Yeah. But I think they kind of expected it because Danielson really kind of goads the CZW fans on because he wrestles that you know slow, quote-unquote, boring style. Yeah. So he kind of taunted them and he mooned them at one point. But... The split crowd, it was incredible for the main event. I mean, everybody was standing pretty much for the entire 25 minutes, and there was just, it was blowing all over the crowd. There was always something going on. There were tons of ridiculous spots in the ring. 
So, yeah, that was awesome. Um, and CZW ended up winning that one, too. So hmm. when Claudio Castagnoli turned on Samoa Joe. And they had the uh, the debate, too, that night, right? Between Jim Cornette and uh, Zandig. Yeah, and, I mean, Zandig, you know, I mean, people were talking before that that it was going to be, like, the greatest squash in wrestling history because it's, <laughs> one of the gr- it's one of the greatest talkers ever, and then John Zandig. But um, I think Zandig, you know, Zandig kind of held his own, but Cornette really just, like, when he got going, Zandig really couldn't get a word in edgewise, and... You know he's always great, so it was. Yeah, I can I can imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to think of some of the good one-liners that that Cornette got. Uh, Cornette at one point said that that um, you know the Ring of Honor guys wouldn't be caught dead in CZW, and then Zandy kind of came back and said half of the guys in Ring of Honor were in CZW, and then Cornette said, "Yeah, they'd never go back, no matter how much you pay them," and then Zandig. And then Zandig said, well, a lot of them are going to be on the Best of the Best show next month. So that was the one moment where Cornette kind of got burned. (laughs) Well, anyway, there was a double shot this past weekend. I believe Friday was in, was Friday Long Island? Yeah, Friday was in Lake Grove, Long Island. And then uh, Saturday was in Edison, New Jersey. Okay, and let's see, let me go over... I have the results here, if we can discuss. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll run through them all if you want. Um, okay, it, um, first of all, I would say the Long Island show was one of the lesser ROH shows that I've been to. Mm. It, uh, the main, the main selling point was an appearance by Christian Cage, the, his one and only appearance on Ring of Honor, and the, the advertising main event was that Christian would pick a partner, and Danielson would pick a partner, and they'd have a tag team match, but they didn't, they weren't going to announce them until the show itself. So, the show started with, uh, with Matt Seidel versus Jimmy Yang, and you know, I mean, it was they had a they had a good little match. It was it wasn't that long. It was probably about nine or ten minutes, mm-hmm. and it was just you know they a few high spots. Um, Seidel ended up winning with the Shooting Star Press, and after the match, Yang got on the mic and said to check him out on uh, WWE.com, either on Heat <laughs> or Velocity. So I don't know. I couldn't tell. I assumed at the time that he was kind of saying that he would just end up wrestling on Heat and Velocity now that he signed again, but he could have just been saying to check him out because he was on this, partic- on this particular week's episode of Heat. So I'm not sure, but I took it as more of a joke on his future in WWE. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure he's going to end up on WWE.com. Yeah, and I'm, sure, and I'm sure he knows that. Yeah. But uh, uh, second match was scheduled to be uh, Cole Cabana, Versus Christopher Daniels versus Nigel McGuinness versus versus Delirious in a four corner survival match. Mm-hmm. But after Delirious, Cabana, and Daniels made their way out, Christian came out to a pretty decent pop, but maybe not as big as you might expect. I'd say that was kind of a um, a trend for the whole night on that show. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Christian came out basically said that he had two questions. First of all, what was Delirious smoking and where could he get some? And secondly, he asked Cabana to be his tag team partner. Uh, Cabana took the mic and responded that, for, for question number one, his name is Homicide and he has the best stuff in the building. And for question number two, he was kind of getting ready to explain to Christian that he has this thing going on now where he doesn't want to wrestle in main events because he feels bad for getting beaten by Danielson in five minutes at the 100th show. 
so he wants to work his way up from the prelims. But before he could get that out, the crowd started chanting, just say no, because there was a segment of the crowd that was not, I guess, was not, were not Christian Cage fans. Yeah. So he, um, but Cabana interrupted them and said, he's going to take the match because he wants to be part of history where uh, the Christian teams with the Jew. So that got a pretty decent uh. pop. And Christian told Cabana that he liked his headband, and Cabana said that he could make him one, but he'd have to wait until he got home. And then... That's then, quite the main event angle. Yeah. Well, real intense stuff. And then uh, Danielson interrupted, and for the past uh, for the past few months, he'd, he's kind of been doing this tweener thing where he insults the fans, but I don't, like he like he wasn't full blown heel. But both shows this weekend, he was 100 percent heel, and he insulted the fans. He insulted Christian. He basically called Christian a corporate whore and said that he was the wrestler that was too good for TV. Um, Christian came back by uh, by saying that Danielson looked like, and I quote, John Cena with AIDS. Ooh. Yes, that was pretty much the reaction of everyone in the crowd. I don't think we'll see that on a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I don't think so, but, you know, I might buy it. Um, so the, uh, Danielson came back and said that he, uh, he kind of ran down his history in Long Island, winning the ROH title there in September, and then knocking out Christopher Daniels in November, and then right after that, he asked Daniels to be his tag team partner. So Daniels uh, was wasn't happy with the fact that that Danielson preceded the uh, the request by uh, telling the world that he had knocked him out. So, um, but Danielson said he would do it. Uh, Daniels said he would do it under one condition, that being that he got a rematch for the title. And Danielson said that he would get oh, he would get his rematch, but only if they won the match. So it was set for later. It was Christian and Daniels. I mean, Christian and Cabana versus Daniels and Danielson, which is a confusing team. And um, so uh, Danielson, uh, Daniels, Cabana, and Christian left the ring, and it was left with Kikitaro and Delirious. I mean, no, just Delirious. And then Kikitaro came out, and Nigel McGuinness came out, and they switched it to a three-way match. And I don't know, for anyone who's seen the final showdown DVD, they know the kind of stuff that Delirious and Kikitaro do together. They kind of did their trading comedy stuff. I don't know if you've seen that. But I don't think I have, but I, I have a pretty good idea of what uh, went Yeah, down. they basically did super slow motion chops, with the, which, there you the, go. which the crowd went woo for. They did slow motion uh, shining wizards. Um, they kind of did like weird handshake dancing type stuff. At one point, uh, Delirious somehow got the referee to headlock Kikitaro, and then he pushed the referee backwards so that the referee ended up DDTing Kikitaro. Yeah. I believe I've seen that spot in uh, Osaka Pro yeah, so. many times. What, what was Nigel doing in all this? Was he just yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it was, I mean, the, the, the main difference between this and the match at Final Showdown was that they had Nigel in there getting really mad at all the comedy stuff, and he would just kind of try to, try to, be serious and beat the crap out of the other two guys, but they would somehow foil him over and over again. But it ended with um, with Delirious actually getting the tap-out victory on Kikitaro with his uh, dra- um, Cobra Clutch cross-face thing that he does. I don't know the exact name of it. 
So that was kind of to build Delirious up for his title match the next night. Um, the next match, oh, that, that was a um, that was a pretty fun comedy match. Probably the in some ways the highlight of the show. Um, the next match was Homicide and Ricky Reyes against Alex Shelley and Jimmy Reyes. That was a number one contenders match for the uh, for the for a tag team title shot. Um, probably about half the match was spent with Rave doing his heel stalling stuff and the crowd kind of catcalling him and chanting boring at him and stuff like that. Then he had his usual barrage of toilet paper thrown at the beginning. And um, yeah, and they kind of teased for for a few at a few points in the match a uh, showdown between. Um, Julius Smokes and Prince Nana, which is sort of a dream match for a lot of people who follow ROH regularly. Um, they never really got into it. They had one, at one point they both got into the ring and had a stare down, but their respective um, their respective stablemates broke them up before they could really do anything. Um, the match ended where where Nana inter- was interfering a lot behind the referee's back, so Smokes kind of you know returned the favor and interfered. But the referee saw that, so he disqualified the Rottweilers. Oops. And, and uh, yeah, so there was a loud bullshit chant there. And Homicide picked up the mic and said, you know, told the, the little kids in the crowd to cover their ears. And then basically said, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on the show, but... Knock yourself out. Yeah, he said, fuck ROH and fuck all of you. And then he threw down the mic and, and left. So that was... Uh, that was kind of a setup for the following night's angle, which I'll get into later. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, after that, Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli came um, through the crowd. They got into the ring. Hero took the mic and said that Homicide and Jim Carnett are both smart because they're both, they both realize that Ring of Honor is a sinking ship and they're abandoning it. So I'd say, you know, usually this, you know, when Hero's, out there on the mic, he gets a ton of heel heat, you know, FU, FU hero chants and the like. But uh, this time, uh, for some reason, just, I don't know, the crowd was really weird at this show. They, you know, they, there, was some, there was some chants at him, but really it was more apathetic than, than I'd have expected. Um, uh, Adam Pierce and BJ Whitmer interrupted Hero's little speech, and they had, um, they had a, a brawl. Like I said, not as heated as it usually is, but you know their usual kind of brawl over the place. Except that here, when Castagnoli did their, uh, you know, a lot of their little flippy double team spots where they roll around on the ground and do splashes and stuff. I don't know if you've seen any matches with them on other. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Why do you think the crowd uh, wasn't into this? Is this? I don't this think just it, a bad crowd or. Yes, I think it was just a bad crowd. Honestly, uh, Long Island is. You know, even with WWE, is notorious for having some of the worst crowds in the country. But I've been to uh, I've been to another show in Long Island for Ring of Honor. It's September where Danielson won the title, and that crowd was a lot better than this one. I think it seemed like the um, the Long Island crowd is kind of it's kind of casual. Like a lot of the people were there because they're TNA fans, and Christian was on this show, and Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels was were on the show, so they weren't. They weren't as up with the uh, with the Ring of Honor storylines and stuff, and they, yeah, and they, and they weren't as passionate about the idea that Ring of Honor is superior to CZW or anything like that. Yeah. 
so yeah, it was it was unusual, unusually quiet crowd for this match, but it was still yeah, it was still a good match. They they did some cool spots. Um, uh, at one point, Hero had Whitmer on the top rope, and he was standing on the apron, and he kind of gave him an iconoclasm off the top rope to the floor through a table. Wow! So, so that was uh, that was Whitmer's uh, big table bump of the night, which he seems to have done. On, He's taking a beating in the yeah, in this feud. Yeah, almost every single show. They, uh, yeah, actually, they had a close-up of um, Whitmer's back after the um, after the beating on the ECW Arena show, and you could see just staples like popping out of it and stuff. He's really, uh, he's insane. But um, yeah, so that match ended after Necro Butcher came out and they triple teamed. Oh well, actually, before that, the uh, the CZW referee knocked out the ROH referee, and then Necro came out and they triple teamed the two guys and ended up winning the match. And then uh, Joe's music hit. Joe came out. He uh, he kind of said that you know that they could, could the, that they could run all they want, but the following night it was scheduled to be Necro versus Joe, so uh, Necro wouldn't have anywhere to run. And they went to intermission at that point. Um, and the next match back from intermission was kind of surprising. It was uh, it was a match taped for Ring of Honor ROHvideos.com, their video website. And they it was Apocalypse versus Samoa Joe of all people, so that was pretty much all Joe did on this show. He just did a quick run in where he didn't get much, where he didn't get too physical, and then he did a squash match against Apocalypse. So Apocalypse did not upset Samoa Joe. No, he did not. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry for spoiling that before I got into the match. Oh well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was I don't know, not very memorable. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the next two matches were I think where the crowd hurt the show the most because they were both really good. The first one was Roderick Strong versus Mark Briscoe, and they, they did a lot of really good stuff in this match. Uh, Briscoe did kind of a springboard a springboard clothesline with Strong crotched on the ropes, you know, a lot of the usual backbreakers and hard chops. Briscoe ended up winning with a cutthroat driver, but I'd say the crowd really took away from it. During the match, there were, uh, there were people like yelling out names like Goldust and just random random wrestler names and huh. not really paying attention to the match. So I'd say that was where the crowd started to kind of piss me off. Yeah. But the following match was uh, Aries and Jay Briscoe, same deal, which was, you know, a really good match. Um, Jay ended up winning that one. I forget with what I... I think uh, it was just... I think it was sorry. an arm submission by reading your report on... Uh... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I could, yeah, I could see that. He spent most of that match working on Aries' arms, so I don't really remember what the submission was, but that makes sense. So, um, so yeah, pretty much to build to the tag title match the next. Right, night. exactly. They were right, exactly. They had a tag title match on the New Jersey show the next night, so it was kind of building up that. Um, then the uh, the big main event, which didn't exactly get main event heat, was Christian and Colt Cabana against Brian Danielson and Christopher Daniels. And it was probably a little bit too long considering the crowd's attention span, but it went almost 30 minutes. And Christian, I mean, the big the big point of interest here was what Christian was going to do with the ROH guys, how would he hang with them, and could he keep up. He didn't really try. He kind of sat out most of the match. He came in every now and then. And then 
didn't really do much until like the last five minutes where he kind of traded big near falls and stuff like he would normally do on a on his pay-per-view matches with Danielson and Daniels. Uh, a lot of the match was comedy. It was um, like it started out with Colt versus Daniels, and they were trading you know, stuff on the mat. And kind of Daniels did a thing where he somersaulted out of the way of Cabana, and then he looked at Christian and said, "That's how I roll." Oh, so boy. yeah, so so that got a big pop, and then Cabana did the same thing and said, "That's how I roll," and then they kind of traded roles. So that was one of the high points of the match, actually. Then it got pretty slow from there, but yeah, it wasn't bad or anything. But like I said, the crowd took away from it a lot. You know, when when you're at a live show, a lot of it is the atmosphere and just it was just kind of silent for most of the match um the the other big the other story of the match was kind of danielson and daniels jawing back and forth um danielson was working over cabana's leg a lot and then he tagged in daniels and daniels did some high spots and danielson yelled at him for not going after the leg and at at one point christian was alone in the ring with danielson and they got got probably the biggest pop of the night, and um, but Danielson, like as soon as he could, tagged out to Daniel, so he didn't give the fans that confrontation. Oh. So the uh, the ending came they with uh, Danielson and Christian finally alone in the ring, and Danielson went to tag Daniels, but Daniels was off the apron, so he couldn't, so he was stuck wrestling. We was stuck wrestling Christian. Sorry, I'm getting a little confused saying Danielson and Daniels over and over again. Yeah. But, um, so they kind of, you know, Christian went for the unprettier. Danielson reversed that, got into a cattle mutilation. He um, uh, he did his little run up the ropes into a um, into a backflip that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, da- Daniels. Got into the ring. He did the best moonsault ever on Christian, which Christian kicked out of. Christian got out of pretty much everybody's finisher. He uh, he got out of the um, the angels' wings, the best moonsault ever, the cattle mutilation, the headbutt, the crossface chicken wing. So, you know, he was protected pretty strongly. Um, the end came where Christian finally hit the unprettier on Daniels, and uh, Danielson was about to make the save, but then he just said, "Oh, screw it," and he walked away. So Christian ended up getting the pin on Daniels. Um, there was a, like I said, like most of the crowd was a pretty pro-TNA crowd, but there was another segment of the crowd which was strongly anti-Christian. So there were a few people that threw bottles at the ring after Christian won, which I've never really seen that kind of reaction at a Ring of Honor show before. But but um, but after that, kind of the negative people walked away, and the rest, the rest of the crowd kind of gave it a, an ovation, Daniels got on the mic and basically criticized people for um, excuse me, insulting insulting TNA. He said it wasn't about TNA versus Ring of Honor; it was about professional wrestling, and the, they they were four of the best professional wrestlers in the world. So that got a big ovation. And then Christian led the crowd in a fallen angel chant, and that's pretty much how it ended. So, yeah, that was not the most memorable of Ring of Honor shows. So kind of a thumbs in the middle, thumbs down. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad show. Like, really, probably, excuse me, probably with a better crowd, it would have been a good show. But I would say it's definitely a skippable DVD. I'd say thumbs in the middle, leaning down. Okay, so wait till it goes on sale, and then uh, maybe pick it up then. 
Right, exactly. If you're a completist or a big Christian fan, then get it. Otherwise, you don't need it. Do you think if Christian had come straight from the WWE to Ring of Honor, not gone to TNA, didn't win the title, do all this stuff, do you think the crowd would have reacted differently to him? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think that TNA, in general, is, and I think they've hurt him a lot. I think they've hurt a lot of people a lot with their booking. He, I mean, he doesn't really play up his strengths in TNA, kind of the the smart aleck attitude and stuff like that. He's too much of a straight man, too low key, and he, I don't know, he, he doesn't have the underdog appeal that he had when he was in WWE either. You know, he was one of those guys that everybody looked at as somebody who was way more talented than the push they got, way more over than the push they got. And then he kind of went to TNA, didn't really have that roadblock, but at the same time, he's, I don't think too many people would argue that he's as entertaining in TNA as he was in WWE. I don't know what you think, but... I yeah, think he was much better. And I don't watch a lot of TNA. Poor TNA mm-hmm. always gets bashed on this show, but... No, yeah. uh, I I just don't think um, he's really brought the goods in TNA that he brought in WWE. Yeah, right. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I commented on TNA's booking, but really, it's, I mean, it is, honestly, partially, he's just yeah. not as he's just not as good as he was. And, you know, I don't know if he's just better in a heel role or or he's just trying to take it easy because he he's in a he's kind of a protected guy so he doesn't have to work as hard. But I, you know, I don't I don't know that so I don't wanna claim that he's being lazy or anything like that. But yeah, so that's I I would say that that's definitely that definitely hurt his reaction among the Ring of Honor fans. It was just kinda like with Matt Hardy, um when he was coming into Ring of Honor he was kind of a, a hot free agent. He was he had a lot of buzz. He was kind of a rebel, mm. and so he, you know he he um the week before his first Ring of Honor show in Connecticut, he did that angle where he came out and he plugged Ring of Honor on on Raw, which probably the only time that's ever happened. So he got a yeah. yeah. So he got a really good reaction that first night, and then as things kind of went on, he just became a. He just it was before the um before the edge match, but he was still kind of you know, he was wrestling Snitsky on T V and he was just basically a regular mid carder again. He did that really disappointing promo when he was brought back by Vince. And so at the uh, at his next Ring of Honor appearances, there were a lot more boos for him. Mm. So I think that's part of it. Just just the underdog thing really uh really adds to your appeal among the kind of people who watch Ring of Honor. So Okay, well, night two in Edison, New Jersey. How was this show? This show was it was like, it was really like night and day. This was a really great, really memorable show. They, um, the the uh, advertised main event was Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher, which a lot of people saw the uh, the Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher match from IWA Mid South from last June in Philadelphia, and that match in a lot of ways really put Necro Butcher on the map. I think probably. If that match hadn't happened, he wouldn't be in Ring of Honor to begin with at this point. And um, so that was kind of a, you know, that was kind of an anticipated match. And the other big one was uh, Austin Aries and Roderick Strong defending the titles against the Briscoes, which was which is sort of like the main dream match as far as independent tag teams go right now. So the lineup is looking good on paper. Uh, the another scheduled match was. Uh, Nigel McGuinness defending the pure title against Alex Shelley, but Shelley aggravated a knee injury on Friday's Long Island show, so he was pulled from the show, so they advertised that um, 
Nigel would still be defending against a quality opponent, but didn't name who it would be. So when the show started out, it was Kikitaro versus Colt Cabana, and they obviously did a lot of comedy in this one, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. They didn't do the same stuff that uh, Delirious did. They didn't totally steal the shtick, but they did other stuff. At one point, they kind of did a dosi do spot where Kikitaro and Cabana dosi doed, then Cabana dosi doed with the referee, and which who ended up running into Kikitaro with a clothesline. So twice in a row, the referee was forced against his will to attack a wrestler. But um, the towards the end, the match got a little bit more serious. They hit some big moves. Kikitaro actually hit a full speed, a full speed shining wizard for a change. Oh, wow. And yeah, and Cabana ended up pinning him with a sit down power bomb. So that got the show off to a good start. The crowd was really into the comedy and stuff. Um, the next match was another match for ROHvideos.com. It was Homicide and Ricky Reyes against the Ring Crew Express. I'd say it wasn't quite as much of a squash as I thought it would be. The Ring Crew Express actually got in a little bit of offense. But um, eventually the uh, the Rottweilers just destroyed them. Um, Homicide hit a big lariat. Uh, Re- and Reyes got one of the two. I've, I'm not sure if it was Don or Marcos in, the, uh, in his dragon sleeper and got the tap out. But the, I mean, the main point of this match was the angle afterwards where um, Adam Pierce came out to uh, to kind of call on Homicide to join up with Ring of Honor. Uh, Jim Cornette had done a promo, a really good promo actually, a week earlier on the ROH video site calling on Homicide, you know, reminding him of all the, of all the wars he'd had in Ring of Honor and called on him to join the side, um, join, the, join the fight against CZW because just out of respect for his fellow wrestlers, whereas um, Homicide had kind of been balking at it for a while, kind of being doing his own thing. And uh, when Pierce did it, Homicide took the mic, looked like he was going to say something, and then threw down the mic and left. So that was, uh, you know, building suspense. Uh, the next match was a rematch from, uh, their, uh, from, a new, from the New York show in March. It was Jimmy Rave against Jimmy Yang. A lot of the same stuff as in pretty much every rave match, the stalling at the beginning, and then into the hot spots near the end. Um, Daisy Hayes hit like a a big like Hurricane Rana into a driver type of thing on Yang, which got a big pop. That was one of the better spots in the match. Um, the end came when uh, when uh, Yang was on the top. He was about to go for a Yang time, and Daisy Hayes crashed him on the rope, and Rave hit the greetings from Ghana. To um for the pin after the match, I think people were starting to give Yang a standing ovation because they figured it was probably his last match mm-hmm. for the promotion before leaving. But um, but he called out Bruce Leroy from the Last Dragon, who was also in his corner in the New York show, and they challenged Nana and Rave to come back out for a tag team match, but they didn't come out. So Yang just said they would do it instead on uh, on June seventeenth when they come back to New York. So that was uh. That was that. Uh, that sounds guess, tremendous. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess Yang. Uh, I guess Yang isn't leaving just yet. Huh. Just I guess they're letting him finish up his bookings, which is what they did with CM Punk and James Gibson too. So, not too surprising. But yeah, I have yet to see Bruce Leroy wrestle. He, I've seen him throw a few kicks in post-match angles and stuff. But so I don't really know what to expect with that one. I'm sure it'll be mostly 
comedy and Nana running away and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure he'll kick Nana, and and that'll be that. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a pretty good match. And the next match was uh, Nigel uh, Nigel's open challenge, so to speak. He came out and basically said that he uh, Ring of Honor has the best re- the best champions in wrestling, and he's beaten all the other champions. He beat Roger Strong in a singles match last year. He beat Aries in a pure title defense uh, in February. And then he just beat Danielson at the most recent Cleveland show in April. So he claimed to be the best champion in Ring of Honor. And he called, he gave out an open challenge to anyone to come out and challenge him for the belt. And Jay Lethal's music hit, his uh, his old babyface music, and he came out as a total babyface, got a huge pop. He seemed a little uh, timid when he first came out, but he was seemed relieved to uh, to get such a big pop. And the crowd was really into Lethal because Lethal's kind of a hometown Jersey guy. Mm. So uh, this match was actually a lot better than I even would have expected. Lethal seemed to go all out. He had a lot of you know his big spots, his big kicks, his his headbutt, his running uh, vertical suplex. And they did the the big near falls at the end with uh, Lethal kicking out of Nigel's finishers. His big with his pendulum lariat where he you know, lays back in the ropes and then runs at Lethal with a lariat. Sure. And uh, and his Tower of London move, where it's kind of like a he props up the guy on the top rope and then does a, a sort of diamond cutter. So Lethal kicked out of both of those. The crowd went nuts for that. And then Nigel hit another Tower of London for the pin. So Lethal got a good ovation. That was pretty much better than any match on the previous night's show. So uh, the following yeah, match kind of... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, probably a one-night return for Lethal. They just needed a guy to fill in. And uh, I know he worked the best of the best show. In right, exactly. Philly, so. Right, exactly. He was in the area, so I'm sure he's, you know, on pretty good terms with Gabe. So he, I don't, I guess it wasn't too much of a problem to just get him to come up. Although, I mean, Lethal, you know, was really over and put in a really good performance. So if, if WWE ends up rating Ring of Honor's roster at any point for the ECW thing, I would say Lethal is definitely somebody who they should consider bringing back because uh, he, the, the fans really like him, and he's he generally has really good matches, so, you know, why not? But I think they're probably, if that happens, they're going to have a, um, they're going to have a little dilemma because they don't want to use TNA guys too much, but if all their other guys get signed up, there aren't, there isn't really enough free talent on the indies that can just come right in and... Yeah. Get be over instantly. They're going to have to do a transition period where they'll probably have to put back the emphasis on some of the TNA guys. Um, but yeah, so the next match kind of followed the same formula as the previous one. It was Danielson defending the Ring of Honor title against Delirious. Um, Danielson did some more heel mic work. He criticized the crowd for even wanting to see Christian in the first place. And he criticized them for chanting chanting his name all at the same time, cheering guys like retards, actually, like you said, like Joe and Daniels and Delirious. Um, at this point, there was a shut the fuck up chant, and Danielson said that he was about to shut the fuck up, but since they, uh, but since they started that chant, he was going to keep talking all night because he wrestles the way he wants to and he performs the way he wants to, so he wasn't going to shut up. But he was forced to because Delirious came and grabbed the mic and delivered one of his highly articulate promos. Oh, yes. Of, yes, so 
But I'd say his promos are starting to become a little bit more comprehensible. I don't know if he just wasn't actually saying anything in the old ones, and now he kind of is. But you know, you could kind of make out some of the stuff he was saying, like about you know wanting to become champion and fans wanting to be the champion. And he kind of it ended with him clearly saying that he was going to kick Danielson's ass, and then he jumped Danielson right away before the bell, and that got a huge pop and. Kind of went right to him. They brawled on the floor a little bit, threw each other into guardrails, all that fun stuff. Uh, eventually, the match settled down, and Danielson took control. And I, there was a like a small batch of hecklers in the crowd that they pretty much are at every show that heckled Danielson. Um, yeah, they, they chanted. Um, at one point, they chanted "TNA reject" at him, which uh, to which he responded that he rejected TNA, oh. which is which, as far as I know, is true. So, um, and then at another point, he was going for his. Uh, his surfboard with the with the whoa 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 thing that he does before he goes for it, yep. and that little section of the crowd started chanting same old shit. So you know he normally teases the surf he normally teases the surfboard, and uh, instead of going for it, he'll stop on the guy's knee to kind of piss off the fans. But this time, since they were chanting for him not to do it, he had a big smile on his face and he did the move. And then later in the in the match, he uh, he did his thing where he he chokes out the guy, and the ref counts till four, and then he shouts, I have till five, referee. And after he did that, he looked at that section of the crowd and said, same old shit, which got a big, which got a big pop from everyone else. So, um, But then that, all that stuff kind of faded out as the match went on, and it, got, it turned into a really hot match. Delirious got a ton of super hot near falls. He did a... Um, did a big dive onto Danielson on the outside. He reversed Danielson's top rope belly to back suplex, which no almost nobody does. Mm. And he hit the the shadows over hell splash and he got he got Danielson in the in the cross face um cobra clutch thing. And all those got huge reactions. Daniel Danielson made it to the ropes and he kicked out all you know, each time. Um then the end was Danielson pretty much hitting all of his big moves. He Delirious got out of the cat mutilation. He got out of the chicken wing. He uh, and I don't know if you've seen uh, the uh, the Roderick Strong match from November or the Jimmy Rave match from from February, but he won both of those matches with um, with kind of a series of elbows where you kind of pin the guy's arms back and just gave repeated elbows to the face until the guy was knocked out. And that's how he beat Delirious on the first, uh, the uh, 100th show also. But this time Delirious, actually, he he took a bunch of those elbows, but then he ended up kind of getting his arm in the way and blocking them. So he's the first guy to escape that little flurry. And he came back with um, with a bunch of kicks to Danielson, and the crowd was just going nuts at this point. And Delirious ran off the ropes, and Danielson quickly cradled him for a small package and the pin. So that was a... That was a great match, actually, and Delirious got a huge standing ovation afterwards, and uh, and they went to intermission. So, Brian Davis is the man. Yes, I've I've seen almost all of his title defenses. The only ones I haven't seen are the are the ones from Chicago WrestleMania weekend, mm-hmm. and the uh, the ones from from Ohio a couple weeks ago, and. Almost every almost every one is really good to great. Like he's he's probably my favorite wrestler to watch now. And I think the most remarkable thing is that, you know, he's out of the blue become 
I'd say one of the best guys in the business on a live microphone. Like he he's for a long time had a reputation of being pretty vanilla and bland, but he's great. Like he he has total control of the audience. He's he's animated. He's he has a really well defined persona. He's believable. I don't. He's be really becoming the total package, which uh, not like we but <laughs> thankfully that would be a horrible analogy. Yes. <laughs> Sorry for my stupid cliche, but um, no. But he really is like he. Uh, I don't know. It just it's just out of the blue. He. I mean, obviously he's since day one been a great wrestler on the mat and mm. stuff. But I don't know. I'd say he's he just in terms of pure performance. You know, obviously not in terms of drawing ability or star power or anything like that, but in terms of sheer performance, I'd say he's the wrestler of the year right now. Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't know who else would even contend. But um, oh, okay, so the second half of the show, I'd say, I don't, I don't know. For some reason, the crowd was really hot for the first half of the show, but then after intermission, like I don't know, for some reason, a lot of the energy got sucked out of them. Maybe because they just went right into the series matches instead of doing a popcorn match like they usually do with the students. But they went right into uh, Matt Seidel versus Christopher Daniels, which is their third match in a series. They wrestled on um, they wrestled in Ohio in in January and then again in Ohio uh, a couple weeks ago. So the first match, Daniels injured his knee during the match. He ended up needing uh, needing to have his knee scoped, and the second match. Um, Seidel hurt his shoulder, so this time they were going to try to break the jinx and have everyone get out of the match without hurting himself. Um, but I don't know, for some reason, uh, it just it was a you know it was a good match. They hit a lot of good moves. Seidel did his his kind of twisting dive that he does onto the outside and his moonsault onto the outside. But uh, for whatever reason, it just never really got going to the degree that. You might hope from those two guys, and I think the crowd was definitely part of it. But the ending came when Seidel was kind of reversing everything that Daniels tried on him, and eventually he got him in the position for the Angels' wings. But Danielson, uh, Daniels, <laughs> reversed it into a cradle, <laughs> and uh, and he uh, so he won the match. Uh, after the match, he uh, Daniels got on the mic and wished Seidel luck in the. Uh, in his upcoming tour of Dragon Gate. And basically, he begged Seidel to stop challenging him because he was sick of wrestling him. And said, Seidel was like, eh, maybe one more time when I get back. So, so he's going out. on an excursion overseas. Yes, uh, I think uh, I read in The Observer that Gabe Sapolsky wants his guys to learn Dragon Gate style because he's he's been enamored with it recently. The, those guys apparently were incredibly impressive on WrestleMania weekend in the Midwest. Mm. So he wants his guys to learn to huh. wrestle like them. So, uh, yeah, so Jack Evans is already over there. Seidel is going. And apparently in the summer, uh, Jimmy Rave, Austin Aries, and Roger Strong are going to be joining them. So hopefully when they come back, hopefully when they come back, they'll have a whole new bunch of cool stuff they can do. Um, the next match was, I mean, I thought it was one, one of the most anticipated matches on the show. It was, Aries and Strong defending against the Briscoes. And uh, I don't know, for some reason, you know, it's just another match where the atmosphere was not what I would have expected. Like, it was it was definitely hotter than the previous match, but 
I don't know, for some reason it was a little bit flatter than I would have thought. But it was still, it was a very good match. Um, they seemed to be holding back a little bit. It was a lot shorter than I would have expected, and they didn't really, they didn't pull out all the stops like you might have expected in terms of spots. Because uh, I think that they're going to end up doing a, a bunch of matches with those two teams, which yeah, I have no problem with. And uh, the, um, you know, usual hard-hitting stuff, smooth match. Moves. I'd say the Briscoes have been one of the most impressive accents coming back. You know, uh, for a long time on the Indies, they, in the Ring of Honor, they had a reputation of, you know, having a lot of cool big moves, being really good for their young age. But, you know, there was always something a little bit, a little bit indie about them. Mm. They were, they were a little bit sloppier than some teams. But, you know, every match, I think I've seen, you know, I've seen every match they've had since coming back. And they're, just they're just suddenly so much crisper. They're more well-rounded. I don't know what it is, but I'd say they're. Do you think it was just taking time off and? I mean, re- I guess refreshing their batteries. I guess, but I mean, you would think that taking so much time off would leave them a little bit rusty. Mm. But and I've heard that you know the, the little bit of indie stuff they did in the interim when they weren't in Ring of Honor between August '04 and February of this year that they were not that good. So I don't really know what happened, but they I guess they just recommitted themselves and they're they're great. It's they're I could I could totally see them fitting into an ECW type of thing. And um yeah they they had um they had a match with uh with Roderick Strong and Jack Evans in March on the New York show, which was fantastic. One of the best tag matches I've ever seen in Ring of Honor. And then another one with AJ Styles and Matt Seidel on the hundredth show in April which was almost as good as that one. So, yeah, I think this match wasn't on the level of those two, but it was still really good stuff. Uh, yeah, this one had a bit cool. of a weird ending. Yeah, it was a, I'd say I, I liked it, though. It was, um, they, Aries and Strong went for their usual combination where Strong hit the uh, half-Nelson backbreaker on Jay, I believe, mm-hmm. and then Aries went up for the, uh, he tagged in Aries, and Aries went up for the 450, but Mark knocked him off the top rope to the outside. And then uh, the Briscoes got up strong and hit him with their uh, spike J-driller, which is a pretty sick move. Mm. Um, Jay went for the pin on strong, and he had him pinned. But as this was going on, Aries ran in and rolled up Mark, and Todd Sinclair counted the pin. And there was a little bit of confusion because people didn't really know who was who got pinned. And then they, they announced that Aries and Mark were the actual legal men, so Aries and Strong retained the title. So yeah, in a lot of ways, they were setting up future matches, which, like I said, I have no complaints about. So um, then the only thing that was left was the main event, which was Joe versus Necro Butcher. You know, their their first the first two matches, mainly their first match, uh, have huge reputations. So the crowd was really hot for this. Um, Butcher came out through the crowd with the with the CZW ref, and then Joe came out. They kind of had a stare down in the ring, and uh, Necro knocked out uh, Bobby Valentine, the uh, the uh, Bobby Cruz. Let me think, Bobby Valentine. Bobby Cruz, the uh, the ring announcer. <laughs> Bobby Valentine. Valentine. <laughs> He's the uh, was he was the manager of the Mets, right? Um, Bobby Valentine. You might be right. Yeah, I think he was. So, um, so yeah, Nick Bobby Cruz did, did not beat up the manager of the Mets. Is, uh, <laughs> no, he did not. Make. Unfortunately, not tonight anyway. But, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, he knocked out Bobby Cruz, and then during Joe and Necro's stare down, Necro knocked out Todd Sinclair, the Ring of Honor ref. So Joe chucked the uh, CZW ref out of the ring, and then they just went at it, and the place was going insane. They were just laying it into each other. They quickly spilled out of the ring, brawled around ringside. Joe hit the ole ole kick on Necro, and then Chris Hero appeared from the crowd and jumped Joe. Um, they brawled around for a while, and Joe was kind of holding his own against Necro and Hero, and then they brawled their way up the ramp when Claudio came out of the entranceway with a chair and whacked Joe really hard over the head with the chair. So and then they triple-teamed on Joe for a while until Adam Pierce and B.J. Whitmer came out and brawled with those three guys. And I guess, I guess I don't know if it was from the chair shot or some other spot they did that I couldn't see because a lot of it was going on in the crowd with everyone standing. Mm-hmm. But somewhere in this, Joe got taken out completely, so, uh, and he never showed up again for the rest of the for the rest of the show. So in a lot of ways, it was kind of a big bait and switch because you know, Necro versus Joe was a pretty anticipated match. But, um, you know, I can't, I don't think anybody is going to complain about what they switched it with. Sure. But, um, so yeah, so um, uh, Whitmer and Pierce fought off Claudio, Hero, and Necro for about, about 10 to 15 minutes, they were blowing all through the crowd. I really couldn't see a lot of what was going on, hmm. but um, it sounded cool. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they got back in the ring. Um, Pierce and uh, and Whitmer set up two chairs in the ring with their backs facing each other, and they kind of did a double-team powerbomb with Necro onto the chairs, which, I don't know, Necro, I don't know how he didn't break his neck. He was, compl- like he was completely folded up in the chair, but they, uh, they brought some more hero and, uh, the hero side kind of got the upper hand. They did a, uh, a double team heroes welcome on Pierce. And then they had some spots where they were teasing Whitmer and hero going through a table at ringside. Hero had uh, Whitmer up to go to put him with a power bomb through the table, but Whitmer fought out and hit hero with an exploder. Then, uh, Claudio was gonna, it was on the top rope. He was gonna, uh, do like a neck breaker of some sort through the table uh, with Whitmer when suddenly the lights went out. The crowd had been chanting for Homicide a few times during this whole thing. When the lights went out, Homicide music hit. Uh, one of the loudest pops I've ever heard. Homicide made his way out. He got into the ring. He kind of had a brief stare down with the CZW guys. People were kind of anticipating what was going to happen. Uh, like Kira went to uh, raise his hand for Homicide to kind of give him a high five. But then Homicide attacked the CZW guys, which got another ridiculous pop. So it ended up somehow with uh, Hero and Claudio being chased away from the ring, and that left Necro and Homicide alone in the ring. And uh, the uh, Todd Sinclair ran back out, and he called for the bell to ring, so it was now Homicide versus Necro Butcher, which is a dream, an indie dream match in a lot of ways in its own right. Mm. So they, uh, they immediately left out of the ring, went back into the crowd, so I couldn't see a lot of what was going on once again, but they weren't in the crowd for that long before they got back to the ring. Homicide threw uh, Necro into the ring, and then he called for a chair, so he got about four, he got about 400 instead. I've, I've seen, you know, seen chair-throwing incidents uh, in ECW and some of the other Ring of Honor shows, but I don't think they had half as many chairs as this. Uh, Necro was literally buried in the chairs, and, um, 
to the point where Homicide actually had to get on the mic and tell the fans to stop throwing chairs because there were too many chairs in the ring. So Homicide, after that, finally stopped. Homicide got back into the ring and actually started cracking up a little bit because he couldn't find Necro under, <laughs> under the chairs. But so Todd and Claire helped him out, and they eventually found him. So they, they picked him up, and, or Homicide picked him up, and he pile-drove him on about 15 chairs. Um, Necro kicked out to a big pop. Then Necro, somehow, after being buried in chairs and getting pile-driven on them, made a quick comeback and hit a tiger driver on Homicide. Homicide kicked out. Uh, I believe also Homicide hit a uh, his top rope ace crusher onto the chairs, although I may be making that up because I haven't seen anyone else mention that in reports and stuff. But um, So that, another kick out. Um, homicide and Necro fought on the apron, and Homicide uh, suplexed him from the apron, onto the floor, onto a bunch of chairs. So, um, after that, let's see, I'm just trying to remember all the crazy spots. Homicide put Necro onto a table on the outside, went up to the top, and hit a splash from the top rope onto Necro through a table. So while they were doing all this on the outside, a couple of the students came out and cleared all the chairs out of the ring. Um, back into the ring, uh, Homicide got another near fall on Necro. Um, the crowd started chanting, cop killer, but it wasn't going to be possible considering the size difference with those two guys. Yeah. Um, Necro somehow made another comeback, hit a few really stiff shots on Homicide, but Homicide blocked a couple, then hit his lariat, finally pinning Necro. So that match, I mean, when you really think about it, there wasn't much to it. There was just kind of a lot of big spots and kickouts and stuff. But with the atmosphere and everything, it was... A must-see match, pretty much. It was one of the coolest live experiences I've ever been to. Fortunately, unlike in uh, in Chicago, I don't think anybody in the crowd got hit with any chairs or anything like that. So, it's yeah, kind they of... really need to to stay away from fans throwing anything, especially chairs. That's asking for trouble. I know it's a cool visual, but yeah, it was. Yeah, fortunately, I was in general admission, so I was behind all the chairs, so yeah. none of none of them were thrown over my head, but. Yeah, I, I can imagine being in the front row and having 500 chairs whizzing past my head and being a little bit concerned. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think anybody anybody in the audience was too upset about it. The the crowd the show ended with uh, with Bobby Cruz um, announcing that the winner of the match for Ring of Honor was Homicide, so that got another huge pop. Um, Homicide got... Um, the ball while he said that was kind of shaking his head like no no I did it for myself but then he got on the mic as Necro was staggered staggering away and said that Necro could come back to Ring of Homicide anytime he wanted to and uh, so ended with Homicide's music playing he's victor- standing victorious uh, the entire crowd worshipping him and you know even after uh, even after he left and the music had stopped and people were filing out of the building there was a Homicide chant so I'd say this angle got over pretty well. Like Ring of Honor, just because of the nature of it, because it's kind of a smarky kind of promotion where it's more about the athleticism, or at least that was the case for the first few years, mm-hmm. don't usually have real emotional climaxes like like storyline-wise. But So I'd say this was probably the best one they ever had, the, just the you know emotion of Homicide finally stepping up to defend Ring of Honor, which he's been with since the very first show. And uh, so, yeah, it was. Uh, I'd say this one, if you're entering of honor, is 
uh, show to get it's a must-see show so big thumbs up then yes very big thumbs up one of one of many great shows I've had in the past six months okay speaking of next shows next show is June 3rd in Connecticut which I will be at personally the card we have right now we have the aforementioned Homicide getting a world mm-hmm. title shot against Brian Danielson yes I would expect some CZW shenanigans in that one yeah I mean it's not like Ring of Honor to interrupt a uh, interrupt a big match with CZW stuff, but I could see it happening mm-hmm. before or after the match. Like, but I, I expect them to probably have a clean match. Uh, it's per- be... Oh, go it's ahead. Per- okay, it's sorry. It's perfect timing, I'd say, for that match because Homicide's not going to get any more ma- any more momentum than he has now. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't see Homicide taking the title just because Danielson still has still has big matches upcoming with Kenta and eventually Samoa Joe. That's kind of the the big dream match that they're building to. So I don't I don't see anyone taking the title from him until that happens. But should be in a should be a really hot match. So I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> and we also have Davy Richards uh making his debut after a bit of a delay against Jimmy Rave. Have you seen any of Davy Richards? Just uh sample match that he has on his website. Uh he looked really good in it. It wasn't a great match or anything. I've seen highlight videos of him, you know, in bigger matches against bigger stars, and you know, he looks really crisp and smooth. And everything I've heard about him is great. So I look forward to seeing him. He was supposed to debut on the uh, on the hundredth show, but he had he had an injury, and I believe it was a knee injury that kept him out of action for the past couple months. So yeah, that's uh, I expect I expect them to push him pretty quickly and pretty hard. All right. And let's see. Oh, I've really fallen behind on my uh, ROH DVDs. Uh kind of hit a, a slump when they didn't have any shows in the Northeast. That's where I usually pick up some shows, but uh-huh, uh-huh. you seem to have kept up. Um, yes. What should I have? I have, uh, let's see, the latest show I have is Joe and Kobashi, and I have the Final Battle 2005. What Those else are... should I be picking up? Yeah, those would be the first two that I would mention from the second half of 2005. Okay. Um, beyond that, um, Unforgettable, which was the night after Joe vs. Kobashi, mm-hmm. was a really good show. It was kind of a two-match show, but there were two great matches. It was James Gibson's last match against Roderick Strong, which was a great match. And then Kobashi and Loki, Kobashi and Homicide, excuse me, versus Slow Joe and Loki which was I mean, maybe a little bit more awkward than you would have expected, but still a great match. They, they in some ways, did more than they did at the uh, in the Joe versus Kobashi match because in a lot of ways Joe versus Kobashi was just mainly you know kind of trading trademark spots. It was just with the most incredible crowd reactions ever and perfect timing and perfect execution. So it was a great match even even with that factored in. But they did more stuff in the in the tag match. They kind of had Kobashi showing a little bit more personality. He was healing it up a little bit with Homicide. So that's a good one to get. Um, Vendetta, which was from November and from Chicago, has the uh, the second Roderick Strong versus Brian Danielson match, with a lot, which a lot of people think was the best match in Ring of Honor of 2005. And that was the uh, that was a 47 minute one. And then that also has a really good match between Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe and a match with uh, Generation Next and AJ Styles against um, against the Embassy, which is another really good match. And 
if you've been following the uh, the Embassy versus Gen Next feud, you should probably get Steel Cage Warfare, which is from December, which has um, the like a War Games type match between Generation Next and the Embassy, which was really good climactic into that feud. Um, for 2006, I'd say the best stuff. The best, a lot of the best stuff hasn't really been released yet. The fourth anniversary is out, and that's that's a really good show. I can't say that anything on it is necessarily must see, but if you're if you're into following Ring of Honor at all, that's a show worth getting. It has two really good title matches: Brian Danielson defending against Jimmy Rave in a great match, and uh, Strong and Aries defending against AJ Styles and Matt Seidel. Then the uh, the most recent shows that were just released this weekend were Best in the World, which is from uh, New York in March, which I was at, which was an excellent show. I'd say the matches to look for there are uh, Strong and Evans against the Briscoes and Joe and Danielson versus Kenta and Marafuji. And then they just released uh, the Dragon Gate Challenge series from Detroit, which I have yet to see, but that sounds that sounds like it's a really good show. I've heard no negative feedback on that one. So, yeah, those those are the pretty much the shows to get. If you, I mean, the you know the other shows are are all, all have something worthwhile on them, but yeah. they're not necessarily. I mean, it's a, it's really expensive to keep up on Ring of Honor. I've spent more money than I want to think about on Ring of Honor in the past year. Fortunately, in that time, WWE has gotten to the point where they have very little worth paying for in my you know in terms of my taste. So, it's that's helped a little bit, but. I've spent more money on Ring of Honor in the past year than I would have spent on WWE on a year where I was really into WWE. So, Okay. Well, I guess that's going to wrap it up today. Uh, my last question for you is, you are a fan of, I guess, horror movies or, or maybe B-movies, so to speak. And are you going to see Kane's movie on May 19th? Uh, definitely not on May 19th. Uh, I think that might be a, a wait-for-DVD one. <laughs> How do you think it's going to do? I think it will do what's the word uh, terribly. Really? Yes, I I can't imagine that. I mean, do you you think it might do okay? Well, I I mean, it's either going to be a very small profit. <laughs> I mean, when you factor in box office DVDs, TV, and it'll either be very mildly profitable or a very mild loss. This isn't going to be... It's not going to be a smash, but it's not going to be an XFL-level disaster. Well, I guess, yeah, when you factor in the, the budget and stuff, mm-hmm. I would I would say they, uh, they, um... They, I guess they couldn't have found a better way to promote the release date. That was, I guess not. I know when it's yeah, coming out. Everyone yeah, knows. pretty ingenious there, so can't really fault them for that, despite the fact that the angle is completely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> oh, so, if I can add one more quick thing about the Ring of Honor show. Oh, you certainly um, can. It is, uh, it's become kind of a trend on certain message boards, mainly the Death Valley Driver board. I've seen that pretty much any review of an indie show uh, is ends up being, becoming some sort of argument about the crowds at Ring of Honor, at indie shows and Ring of Honor shows in particular, the, the different, the dueling chance and what have you. You know, and I've, you know, I've really, I think people go a little bit overboard. I think it's kind of like a self-hating, smart kind of thing, where, um, where like they they insist that everything be traditional, heel versus face, you know, booing and cheering. But you know, I've never had a problem with crowds that are appreciative of the wrestling and get into it, even if even if they are a little bit smarky. But I have to say that 
the This is Awesome chant during Homicide versus Necro Butcher was a little bit over the top, considering that's supposed to be a serious blood feud type of deal, yeah. where, uh, you know, where um, the two sides are supposed to passionately hate each other. Like, most times when This is Awesome crops up, it's in, you know, more respect-based athletic matches. Um, but, yeah, I'd say it was kind of out of place for this one, so I just wanted to throw that in there. I'd say okay. in general, yeah. All right, well, I want to thank you very much for being on. Uh, we'll definitely have you on again uh, after probably a couple more ROH shows. Anything yeah. you want to plug right now? Nothing I want to plug, but I will say check out the the Joe vs. the World show from two weeks ago with Justin Shapiro because he's way more entertaining than I am, and hopefully next time I'll have a few more opportunities to be a little bit funnier. But uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for having me on, and uh, duh, it's my show. <laughs> thanks to my guest, uh, Bobby Valentine. No, I mean, uh, Matt Foy. And uh, I'll be back probably next week with a show. I want to thank everyone for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, please email me at joegagney at charter.net or leave a comment at thecubsfan.com. I'll see it either way. Uh, any final words, Matt? No, just thank you very much for having me, and thanks for listening, and I hope I didn't bore you too much. Oh, no. Certainly not. All right, thanks everyone for listening. I'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye.